with the amount of shows that I'm producing all the time, virtually every musical thought I get gets on something. And you think about that? Every one of them gets out onto, or the ones that I think that are good, get out onto air somewhere. And I, I just adore that. I, I, I don't it just doesn't just come to my mind. I have to actually produce it out. I actually actually put it in something. I have to actually make it work mm. with a with a, a television show or movie. And I am so grateful, so thankful on such a profound level that I just get to do this every day. That's that's not a given. You know, I've tried my best, I've done my best, and I'm getting an opportunity that I will eternally be thankful for. Hi, I am Jeffrey Allen Schechter, and welcome to Writer's Room Prose, a podcast of conversations with TV and film professionals where we talk about not just their work, but their approach to finding, developing, and ultimately telling stories for a living. Everywhere I look online, it references this same kind of point about you, that you have scored more primetime television shows than any African-American composer in the last, well, I guess maybe ever, you know? Yeah. I mean, is that, that's, I assume that's fully accurate. Uh, the internet would never yeah. lie to me. Yeah, the internet would never lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I assume so. Uh, I mean, you assume so. I would think like, well, you know, somebody said it. I've done a lot of it. Uh, it, it was 1991, the last time I didn't have five shows on the air. So Really? Yeah. So, and, Jeez. So how and, many shows in total now have you done? Well, I don't remember. It's a, it's a well over 100. Uh, I did 22 different TV shows and movies in the la over the last year. So, 22 in the last year? Yes. <clears throat> oh, my God. Can I, so. can I tell you? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, how do you keep track of all that? You know something, uh, I, I keep getting asked that a lot, and it really, really isn't as hard as it sounds. First of all, most of them do not happen at the same time. Uh, second of all, this isn't this isn't like uh, back in the 90s uh, and early 2000s when most of the shows were, uh, on network were 22 episodes or more. Like uh, we, when I was doing King of Queens, we, we did anywhere from 24 to 26 episodes. And uh, uh, you know you're in the uh, you're in on one show from August all the way uh, mid August all the way around to mid April for a composer. Today uh, I'm I'm just finishing up a a series uh, eight episodes, you know, and that's a season now. I have a number of shows that are twelve episodes, and that's a season. Well, twelve episodes would have just about gotten me to Thanksgiving on King of Queens, you know. Uh, so it's different, you know. It takes it takes three series to to get uh, right. up to the level of some of the shows that I'm doing. Yeah, well, this is this is the lament now with writers and showrunners is that yeah, you know, it's like the short seasons are killing everybody. Yeah, you know, and and I mean, going completely off topic, but you know, and and along with that <coughs> comes reduced residuals, which is what a lot of writers uh, were relying on. Um, yeah, you know, for afterwards, that the residuals in the music world were kind of the same. Well, it's royalties, I guess, right? What royalties? And uh, is, I mean, are you saying are you saying you... lower royalties because you're doing eight episodes or something than if you did twenty four episodes? 
Well, the issue is, does it make? Do they do enough of them to make it to syndication? If that's the case, then that's where the real money is for us uh, in shows that come in repeats. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and now a lot of that is going to be streaming, so it's uh, the the uh, uh, the jury's still out on on how much that affects us uh, in terms of your just your nightly shows. If you it, you you now can't just get one show and sit and wait for it to do 22 episodes or two shows and I have 44 episodes, mm -hmm. you, you may have to have four shows to have 44 episodes. Right. You, uh, I have a series that's uh, literally only six episodes and it's a series. US, US series. Yeah. Okay. And because that was, that was the full season back in England. You yeah. Know, you know, and that's a, that's a full season. And uh, I, you know, I guess it's the on one hand of it, you know, people put their strongest stuff into their four or in their six or eight or ten episodes, mm -hmm. but it has everybody on the prowl. I have to imagine it's really crazy for, uh, for the writers. My brother's a Ralph Farquhar is a writer, and mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, uh, his staff will be there uh, for a bit and a half uh, halfway through the season. They're looking, <laughs> probably looking to see what else they can get on. I I would imagine that that's the case with everybody that it's a little bit uh difficult to to keep up people focused and uh keep a staff i can't imagine what that's like for writers it's, yeah it's it's tough i mean because yeah. because you're also uh often you're you've got especially at the showrunner level you, you've got a sort of a commitment to the following season if there should be a following season but yeah but now you can have a year between seasons well everything's also all screwy because of covid which is kind of why i'm shocked that you had 22 Shows that you worked isn't that, on isn't that crazy? in like <laughs> you know here in like COVID planet, you know, I know COVID, I, COVID land. I am as shocked as anybody. Was that is that the most number of shows the uh, that you've ever done in one year? No, no, I actually did uh, similar to that a, a few seasons ago, pre COVID, uh, and uh, yeah, pre COVID, okay. and then I thought, oh wow, that that's pretty cool, uh, uh, and uh, it looks like it's you know. Uh, sustaining you know those sorts of numbers but there's i think there's a lot of reasons for it uh, a lot of people wanted a composer that they felt comfortable with and mm -hmm. uh that they knew would get things uh things done and th there's all these different covid protocols that were happening i think that made a lot of right. people uh probably a little jittery and uh want to go with what they knew and uh and who they knew uh had the experience to right to make it happen i'd never uh, throughout my career really got uh earlier career i w didn't feel like i was getting the things that i was actually more suited to do i mean i was doing a lot of shows that were very urban very hip hip-hop uh but i had a very different background i mean i wrote my first symphony when i was 12 years old i, I read that that's I, can you, you hum know, can you hum the opening no, i can't hum anything i can't <laughs> i only know my own music don't you're not going to get me started and i can't remember most of that so there isn't there a button you can press and the musical just come out like, <laughs> yeah like back in your studio it, it like i said it right it starts coming if i hum <laughs> for you it's going to come out my butt because that's where all the music falls out <laughs> right. you know what as, as long as it comes from somewhere that's all i care about <laughs> But Stitchers, so, you know, I mean, this begs the question, you know, then why the hell did we give you Stitchers if there was nothing? I mean, I can tell you exactly why, because I was there <laughs> when that decision yeah, was Yeah, I mean, I, uh, uh, Do you know I why? wonder that all the time. I, I hope because it was fairly decent music in the demos. but uh, It was fairly decent music in the demos. Mm -hmm. um, but you have 
continuing, I mean, and people can see this just from, from seeing you talk, but you were hands down the most enthusiastic, mm. eager, um, I don't want to say like, it's going to sound wrong if I say, you know, uh, I remember you I see it clearly that that whole meeting that we had in the mm -hmm. office and, you know, you were desperate to do stitchers. Like, yes. like you really, you loved the script. You loved the idea. You loved, you, you just wanted to be part of it. Yes. Right. And for me, that's like always, you know, that's, that's, that's my tipping point as a, as a person who has at various points have hired people for all sorts of different jobs, you know, in my life. Um, it, it's there, you know, people, people with the right resume are kind of a dime a dozen, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe a nickel a dozen. Maybe you can't, you, you, you maybe you can't find a lot yeah. of them. Um, but they, they're out there, you know, it's, but when somebody comes in and it's like, you, you said, you know, I, I want to do this show so badly. I, yeah. I will do anything for the show. That's why we, we paid you at a quarter of your going rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> so, well, well done. Let me, can we give you some negotiating tips? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Denver start off with, I will do anything for the show. Yeah. Uh, no, but, um, but it was the, um, just that enthusiasm for it. And you go, I, I, I trust this guy, this guy. And, and I was on Stitchers. I was, I was lucky that there were, there were several people, you included, um, David Russell, another mm -hmm. one who, who, um, loved the show more than I loved the show. And I loved the show more than anything. Yeah. Right. So, so when you, when you can find sort of those kindred spirits like that, you go, yeah, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're in this hip to hip. We're going to, we'll, we'll do something here. Well, I, I, I think that there's no reason it's way too much work to do and, and not care about mm -hmm. it. You know, it can't just be a check. And, uh, and, uh, I adored what, what you were doing there. And I, when I get a chance to do something that's really, really different like that, I, I said, for me, it was a really huge opportunity to do, to shift and do, and show another side of myself. And what I thought was a more natural side, mm -hmm. you know, to do something just really wildly different like that and with combinations of sound design and orchestral elements all of it kind of i didn't know until i was doing some prep for this interview and i've known you for now several years i didn't know about this whole symphony you know you studied in france and yeah. you know the berkeley school of music and you wrote your first symphony at 12 you mm -hmm. know i just thought oh he's nice guy shiny head you know, yeah. <laughs> i could work with him yeah. um but the um I had no idea that they had this whole musical background because that was all my, like all our conversations were um, dealing with like this classic piece of music or this score or, mm -hmm. you know, it's great if it had kind of this feel and you were so responsive to that. This show is brought to you by Showrunner Industries, makers of Writer's Room Pro. For more about the app and this show, make sure to check us out at writersroompro.com and follow us on Instagram at writersroompro. Now back to the show. When I'm talking with uh, younger composers, a lot of times, uh, uh, and and just people asking me about about you know the scoring process, you know where uh, where do you start? What do you, what made you come up with this piece of music? I say, first of all, it's a collaborative effort. It's never just a composer just going into a room by himself and blah blah blah. You know, it, uh, for me, it starts with with actually reading the written page, even though they're shooting the pictures. I read every one of your scripts before I ever got to see the the episode mm. because I want to be on the journey with you. I want to get in where 
you guys got in as closely as I can. And so, the, and maybe it's just because my brother's a writer and, uh, and uh, he said, read the scripts. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, I really find that it, 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 it grounds me and makes, and gives me, you know, it's just like reading, reading, reading a book as opposed to watching the movie. You mm -hmm. know, you, you read the book. Yeah. Then what, if you want to watch the movie? Yeah, fine. I'm, this is my closest to being able to read the book, read the script, see where, what your intentions were and what it's, what that conjures in my head. Uh, I have things that I'm conjuring in my head about what things are going to look like and how they're going to be read and all of that and what will ultimately be there. There's going to be lines that people are improvising, that people change in a way, you know, on the stage. I know how that all goes. And I and and I wait and uh, uh, want to talk with the producers, you know, want to, as you know, I ask a gazillion silly questions, you know, but I'm trying to find out what they're, uh, what's not on the page, what, what, what are you trying to feel? The questions are really, what are you mm -hmm. trying to feel? And then it becomes incumbent upon me to how, how am I going to achieve that? You know, uh, we dis, uh, we discuss things about sounds and tonalities and colors, you know, that's right. as a, as a general palette for, uh, a project. Uh, but for me, it's all about the emotions and about oh, what are people feeling at a given time. Are we are we getting to those feelings? Are we getting to that a particular emotion too soon? Mm. Are, are we jumping in before? And uh, I think one of I feel I consider myself more of a filmmaker composer because I want to follow it all the way through to the end. You notice that I come to not only the spottings and do the music, but I'm coming to the mixes because. That's, we're still, I'm still working here, people. I'm still working. I want, there's a right. part of, it may, uh, uh, you will notice that a lot of times I more than even some of the producers may say, let's bring the music back some here. Sometimes it, sometimes after we've written a ton of uh, music, this great piece of music I, and I get nice into the mix and I see what, how everything else is happening, in the, especially in a show like Stitchers where it was so uh, sound effects heavy uh, as it should be. Uh, there's that dance between sound effects and music. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and, good point. Yeah. And you, uh, there were times that I, I even felt like the sound effects told what needed to be known at that moment better than what music would. Uh, and that I felt at times that it had been too much music. Uh, and, and, and so therefore lessening the effect. Mm hmm that it has on you in the next moment that may be a bigger one that I should right. be more engaged in. Right. Well, yeah, well, the music, the music's part of the whole sound fabric, you know, this, yeah. like the soundscape that's mm -hmm. being created. Um, it's actually very interesting. I, 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 there was this uh, study from Yale, I forget which division of Yale, but um, in, in 2017 that, that said that um, sound is, um, is a more powerful vehicle for accurately communicating emotion than sight is, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you, which totally makes sense to me. It's like, it's like, you know, I can now, now you're going to discover just what a big mushball I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I can listen to Jesse's song, mm -hmm. you know, um, from Toy Story 2, you know, mm -hmm. when somebody loved me. Yeah. Right. And it wrecks me mm. every time I, 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 um, yeah, and I was wondering, well, you know, do, do other people who are like, because I'm, uh, you know, um, I don't say I'm big in music, uh, but I appreciate music and, and have, yeah. I mean, the first 
album that I ever bought. Did I ever tell you this? The first album that I ever bought yeah. as a kid, I think I was 12, was uh, Georges Bizet's Carmen. I see. You're much more. My, my, my first record was, was Here Come the Judge by Pigment Markham. <laughs> You know, <laughs> here come the judge. Here come the judge. I only, bought, I only, I only bought. I only bought. I only bought Carmen because you know so, some bald head kid bought the last. Here comes the judge. I said, "Oh, you just missed it. If only you were here a few minutes ago, Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. on Eighty Seventh Street. Yeah. No, it's not, yeah, yeah, no, Brooklyn. That uh, one of the stores. But um, so yeah, so I've loved you know, symphonic music for a while, and um, so. Yeah, so there, there, there's, there are certain pieces of music that are, that are just these insane, and it's not because of the words. It's you know, uh, I mean, yeah, it's when somebody loved me is, you know, it's heartbreaking just mm -hmm. in, in the words. Um, but I was curious, like, do, do do other people have the same thing? I love Keith Jarrett, and so I listen to a lot of his music, and uh, well, he was a big influence for you, no? Yeah, yeah, big influence. Uh, the, everything from the Cone concerts. Uh, uh, and I loved all of his solo work as well as his work with uh, uh, with his uh, group with Dewey Redman and Paul Motian and, and Charlie Hayden, and that was all really fabulous to me. I'm I love 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 Claude Debussy. I was I'm really into the Impressionistic era. I love a piece of music that I adore is the Lark Ascending by uh, Vaughn Williams. I just that I don't know on a rainy day like this day I could put on the Lark Ascending and just be there. Um, uh, and uh, probably one of my all-time favorite composers, which is so much different than these guys, is uh, Charles Ives. So, oh wow, yeah, which is a surprise to a lot of folks. Well, that be, you know, but that makes sense. Is you know, if you listen to your your music catalog, there's so many <laughs> different influences there. Yeah, right. So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's very eclectic. A lot of things that people don't know about the 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 music that I would listen to a lot. You know, uh, uh, if if you were coming to my home, you wouldn't hear a bunch of hip hop or mm -hmm. you know. Uh, R and B or anything. Like that. It's actually I list uh, for enjoyment. I list to a lot of uh, 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 country and western. Do you? Yeah, like I've, I've been into Lily Mae Rice right now, <laughs> really big, <laughs> big time. I've been Jones on, on her. She's just some really good stuff. Well, you know my daughter Maya. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who uh, you know for reasons I still don't understand, she's just really into country western music. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, little Jewish girl from Los Angeles. <laughs> Enjoy your country western music, my sister. Don't 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 let them break you down, girl. Don't let them break you down. You just come on, talk to Uncle Kurt. We hook up, go see some Lily Mae Rice. Kind of think of you as Uncle Kurt. You know, <laughs> you, I remember you, you gave her some good advice once. You had like some. Uh, oh, I had good advice once. Oh my god, I know, right? I, 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 I might have had those two bottles. Of that could be it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But uh, no, you know, actually, my 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 all time go to. You know, when I'm feeling a little down is. Um, um, I listen to uh, "Living Large" by Big Slam. I don't know oh. if you've ever... That's it's 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 a joke because like yeah. thirty years ago, Kurt was lead singer for yeah. Big Slam, and yeah. um, you know, did "Living Large." But that was your first, actually, your first TV gig, wasn't it? Uh, well, it happened after the song. I'd done the song. I was trying to. Uh, I was. Uh, I was in the process of getting a record deal, which I did do with uh, Modern Records, and. Uh, and that was our first single we put out. Uh, but I uh, also at the it was all kind of happening around the same time actually. And uh, I was asked to do uh, demos for uh, a theme song for Living Large, and uh, I did about five or six of them. And then I had that last one, uh, which was 
something that I was actually doing more for the record and, um, uh, and, uh, or to try to get a record deal. I should say I didn't have it at the point at that moment. And I, uh, submitted that as well. And, uh, it was the last, uh, piece on there and they chose it, uh, as a end title song for a show called wait, so now Live in Large. Now, wait, okay. So did you, you wrote the song and was the song actually called Live in Large? And yes. Then, yeah. Then they, independent of that, we were yeah. doing a TV show it's called, Live, called Live in Large. Yeah. And it's like, oh, would you like to submit music <laughs> <laughs> for it? And it's like, yeah, I just happened to have a piece of music called yeah. Live in Large. Yeah. Which was a common, uh, common, uh, uh, no, I know, but still, then, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of like the stars lining up. Yeah. Now, were you still, were you in Chicago then or were you in no, LA? I was, I was here and I was, I was, it was, uh, it was happening during a period where I was, uh, uh I had been homeless and, uh, at this particular point I was sleeping on a friend's couch and, uh, another friend of mine, uh, uh, John Bigham, who, you'll not believe this, we were actually born right next to each other in the projects in Chicago. Really? Yeah, yeah. We were born in a project called Altgeld Gardens. And uh, John and I were in this band, uh, uh, Big Slam. And uh, he was a guitarist and, and keyboardist, and I was drummer and sang and all of this. And we we ended up getting this uh, deal and uh, uh, that, that we did okay. And then it a little... Uh, a very very limited flash in the pan and went away and uh, I started but I at that point I started getting the TV shows and and I was writing for all kinds of different people uh, I was writing with Lionel Richie and writing with uh, 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 Natalie Cole Natalie mm. and I were doing a lot of stuff together really? at that time uh, yeah she wanted to uh, she had this thing she wanted to write and 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 almost didn't want it to have it like it was her she just wanted to be like a like a like a young songwriter, you know, and right. and just put it in that way. And uh, but we, uh, <clears throat> uh, I I started doing TV shows too, and and I, a lot of things were happening at the same time with the recordings. I had a song out on the Pointer Sisters, and I and doing things with Natalie, and just, Wait, so this is like the, af how how long after because I, when I wasn't really planning on talking about it too much, not because it's it, it, it's fascinating and inspiring you know the 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 year that you were homeless yeah. you know and mm -hmm. and all that but it's 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 well covered territory in your life mm -hmm. I, I encourage i encourage anybody who wants to really be inspired you know about, mm -hmm. you know how do you you know pull yourself up and make yourself into you know you know invent yourself uh look up kurt's uh biography but so but from living large to like oh maybe i can do this yeah. on an ongoing basis what was what period of time was that it was like a couple of years i think two, okay, so it was a two, to, two to three years i think three years in i started breaking out uh like i believe two years in i uh in, in my second year of uh doing kind of doing things for television um it was i was getting a little overwhelmed with everything that was coming at me with the the with the tv projects and then with the uh uh uh, recording projects and I didn't see myself as a composer as a matter of fact I would never even use the word with me I thought oh no composers that's somebody else that couldn't possibly be me so you I'm think you're just, just like a performer I'm just musician? I, 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 I just a musician I just uh, you know and I I knew I wrote I wrote a lot mm -hmm. uh, an awful lot and uh, and writing was very important to me you know it was my brother Ralph that 
that suggested I should do television in the first place. And, and uh, he said, she writes so much different music. He said, you're perfect for this, uh, this sort of medium. And I, I went to him one day, I said, you know, I'm getting, uh, I, I, you know, I'm getting pulled in all these different directions, you know, and with the television and with the, with the songs and recording stuff. I just don't know what to do. What should I do? Should I give one of them up? He said, what should I do? He said, well, which one's paying your bills? I said, well, uh, the, the television's paying the most. Do that. Click. You know? <laughs> Hung up on me. <laughs> and, um, and that's when I had the button installed. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, makes music pour out of my butt. I, exactly. I, uh, uh, at that point, though, I, uh, not long before that, uh, I, I used to have this, uh, uh, still do, uh, uh, saying about taking me out of the equation. Mm-hmm. And oh, what that means is, you know, when you're adding up at the end of the year, uh, you know, you say, oh, this didn't work out for me. That didn't work out mm-hmm. for me, blah, blah. I, I would, I said, I did not want to be a part of that equation as to why things didn't work out. So I was going to do everything as right as I could. I was going to be, and and just the things that you can control. I mean, if somebody, somebody's cousin Pookie is sleeping on their couch and they just need to get them out of there and they give them a job, uh, uh, the job that could have come to you, well, then that's not, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. Right. I said, but I can be, I can be on time or early for everything that I do. I can come there completely 110% prepared. I'm going to be the happiest, hap hap motherfucker you ever saw get a job. You know, I literally still jump up and down right now when I get a job. I have a little brass bell at home. I'm banging on the brass <laughs> bell. I'm running around the office. We got another one. We got another one. You know, yeah, the neighbors have been complaining, it, by the way. Exactly. So 22 times in the past year. <laughs> and I have to hear that stupid bell one that more time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and and do everything that I can do. I can control the music. I can control how you know. And when you when you're hiring people and you've got to do a job and the and uh, uh, you don't want the guy that's complaining that I got to stay late, you know, and you don't want the guy that's the, that's consistently late coming in uh, right. to this job. And I said, these are the things that I can control. Now, if I don't get it for some other reason then I don't care. I say, well, that, that happens. Okay. So what it, so at the end of the the year that I'm not a part of that equation, why things didn't work out, what it ends up. And I'm brutally honest with myself, Mm -hmm. brutally honest with myself, but I'm the one that will be pointing a finger at me way before you ever get a chance to. And, uh, if things don't work out after I've honestly assessed that I, that I did everything. Mm-hmm. I'm not a part of this equation. Things happen and that so be it. What that does for me is that keeps me in a positive place. I constantly feel like a winner on years that things, that a lot of things didn't work out for me. I even point out, I said, you know, something of the, the, uh, the times when I didn't do everything, I said, you see, you're getting tired, you're getting lazy, and you decided not to do that one more version of that song. So you don't know. It could have been the one more version that could have done it for right. you. It could have been, you know, you thought about that angle, which is similar to what they took, and you didn't do it. And I, so I never allowed it. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care how beat up I am. I don't care what. I'm just going to keep going and do do it again. Do it again. Flush it out. Be the easier guy to work with. I you know, 
I don't want to be the guy that work, uh, works with, and this is a collaborative thing. I don't want to be the guy that works with a showrunner and, and makes him uncomfortable being able to give me a note. Right. I said, I just don't have that thing. I don't know where it went. It fell out of me sometime in the seventies and I couldn't find it again. Mm. I do not. These are, these pieces of music are not my babies. Right. My babies are at school in San Marino. Mm. So I've always advocated, get everything you could possibly control under control. Yes. And then, you know, if it doesn't happen, at least, at least you go to bed that night and you're not going, if only I would have done this, if only I would have, you said, no, I did everything. I believe that you manif- you're, you can manifest your thoughts and you, and your true the true meaning of, of, of what's in your heart, you know uh, if you if you go to bed every day feeling like a failure, then you will be very practiced at thought you will get what you're looking for. you if you go to bed feeling like a winner, you wrap up your year feeling like a winner. And what is winning? The winning isn't necessarily the dollars and cents that we get from our, our 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 respective professions. It's being able to do the job and the craft well, and and being able to a- achieve what you're going after. Taking me out of the equation helps in that way. Mm-hmm. I've done what I can do, and and it still didn't go my way. That it is a real thing that there are forces that are that that are out of your control and you need to understand that up front going in so then so and if you've dealt with the things that you can control then you achieved you won you dealt you did what you were supposed to do now other things have to align of the things that you know and and hopefully as a living breathing individual you will know other things that you can add to your arsenal as you as you go along and if the things don't align you forgive yourself you forgive yourself. You go. You you move on. You know the point is is we. What are you going to do? You're going to stop. You're going to just. Some I'm, people do. I'm not prepared to do much of anything. Some else. people do. You know? I, I know. Uh, I'm not equipped to do much of anything. You else. know. Hey, this, this is it. I can, I can play a bunch of instruments. I can uh, I can write music. Uh, I can uh, sing a little bit, but I won't do that here anymore. <laughs> and. And uh, uh, and I'm kind of nice to be around, I think. But you know, the that's that's it. I can't. I I I I I, I you don't want me to be your accountant. Uh, <laughs> uh, my wife will tell you that for sure. He'll mess it all up. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, there. This this is what I can do, and I put my whole heart into it, and and I love it. I love it so. This is the. This is the thing that I've been doing since I was a child. And I have been gifted, gifted with this opportunity to do something that I would do for free, do it in my life, in my career, in my everyday. I I have music on the air seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Do you know, I'm with the amount of shows that I'm producing all the time, virtually every musical thought I get gets on something. Can you think about that? Every... One of them gets out onto, or the ones that I think that are good, get out onto air somewhere, and I, I just adore that. I I I don't just doesn't just come to my mind. I have to actually produce it out. I actually actually put it in something. I have to actually make it work mm. with a with a, a television show or movie, and I am so grateful, so thankful on such a profound level 
that I just get to do this every day. That's that's not a given. You know, I've tried my best, I've done my best, and I'm getting an opportunity that I will eternally be thankful for. Hi, this is Stephen Kane. If you're listening, come get me, help me, get me out of this mess. I don't know why I volunteered for this, but I am a writer and a producer in television, and that's why they asked me to come join them for the Writer's Room Pros podcast, and that's what you're listening to. If we could circle back around to the the idea of storytelling through the music, the emotion we get, um, because that's how you're wired. But you 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 get a script, you open it up, right, and you're thinking, you know, um, about it musically, like like kind of reverse engineer it for me. Like, what's the, what's that process look like? Like, how does how does this word or this scene turn into a musical thought? Well, it's music. It's more about pushing ideas out of the way because music is constantly going on for me. Like while we're talking right now, music is is there constantly. Mm-hmm. I can I have, can learn to tamp it down some, but, right? But usually and, when we talk, you, you you you're always hearing the love theme from Summer of Forty Two. I was thinking of love. I was thinking more Spartacus. Spartacus, forbid me to ever leave you. And I, <laughs> I, am, I am often mistaken for Kirk Douglas. I, it's, it's very true. And it's funny because when I, when I talk to you, I, I'm thinking the cantina scene from Star Wars. <laughs> it's different. It's different for the two of us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I like to break down whether they're going to be, uh, what sort of themes are going to happen, whether, uh, whether this character has their own sound or in, and especially like in, in the superhero genre, mm-hmm. you know, everybody has, they have certain themes. I mean, you can't be, uh, you, uh, you, you can't do down, 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 and then Yoda walks in. It just doesn't work. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it doesn't work. Right. So you, uh, sometimes we're breaking down to what themes there are and what, what is the meaning. And I have a discussion with a producer or director about right. what they're, no, no, for, for sure. That. But I, I want to go even earlier than that. Yeah. You know, even before you, you know, you get to it is, you know, you're reading the page and is music going off in your head? Yes. I'm making notes uh, about, I'm making notes and uh, writing a lot of more questions of what I'm going to ask uh, to the producer. Because again, in this collaborative thing and, and writing for a picture isn't everybody, isn't good for everyone mm-hmm. because uh, for musicians, hold it. It's not all about you. Is not all about your music. Uh, that's a that's a big one for com- musicians to <laughs> have to deal with. Right. And uh, um, so I know that the, the the start of it is to ask the question. I have this idea. I have thoughts about things, but you know, you're the one that lived with this for you know sometimes five six years before I ever showed up, and I'm supposed to come. Okay, I'm here with the music now. I'm gonna save this whole thing. I got it all together. Okay, y'all, the rest of y'all can go home. I got it. You know. You know, if you actually had that attitude, maybe we'd have had a season four. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for nothing. You know, well, I, I, I saved that for my other. <laughs> did, did Black Lightning get a season four? Yes. Damn it, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> you held back. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, it's you, you. You you have to. For me, it's all about starting a dialogue, and so I have to have uh, the 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 script is is starting questions going on in my mm-hmm. head. You know, about is there uh, do uh, is the producer uh, someone that likes to deal with things with themes? Some people just don't want the theme mm-hmm. sort of vibe. They want more of a 
austere sort of, you know, tone in the room sort of vibe that's very popular right now. But sometimes folks want to actually have a sound for for characters. And right. it really helps a lot. And that really helps a lot in the story making uh, process. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a <clears throat> I was spotting something recently and it was it was it was a very, very emotional uh, theme uh, scene. And I had suggested that I started a, a theme like several episodes back. I mean, it was like five or six episodes before that. And they went away from it. And I said, we want to come back. I want to not write something new and fresh. I wanted to come back to that theme because you will tie the two together. And, and it'll be so much more powerful mm. when they react to the fact that, you know, that it makes them think back to that previous moment. And so therefore making the, the, the emotional impact on it so much more powerful. And I think that that's a, it's a device that's really important. Right. And well, there's the, 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 I mean, it's the correlation in, in writing. It's the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the proverbial, you know, callback, yeah. you know, or even foreshadowing. Exactly. Right. And then you, you, you pay it off, you know, yeah. later there's, um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting <laughs> for, I mean, well, one thing I'm getting from it is, is like, I, I, I kept trying to steer you into, you know, into admitting um, an approach to story that that you actually don't do, and which is your approach is actually even better than I'm, I was imagining. Mm. You know how it would work is that what I'm getting is that you you are not telling a story through your music; you're servicing the existing story through the music. Yes, right. So you you which 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 fits very nicely with exactly what you're saying is that you want to remove yourself, mm-hmm. you know, from it. It's like it's not like hey, everybody, here's the music. Yeah, Doug Frank. Uh, uh, wonderful music exec over at Warner Brothers years ago told me, says, uh, uh, composer's job is to tell people what to feel, you know? <laughs> and so you know, it's essential, essentially right. But if, if, if you take that as, as okay, that's a large part of my job is to tell people what to feel, then you want me as close to my emotions mm. as possible. See the difference, with, uh, let me tell the difference between the average person watching a, a picture and and me and other composers <clears throat> when i watch that same picture with no music on it i immediately react musically in my head mm. really, i'm you're like generating your own score i'm immediately where it reacting i i immediately what it sometimes i watch movies and just decide to listen to my score in my head instead there's 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 that reaction when they react they just they're they're like this when I react, it's also with a musical sense about it. So you want me as close to my initial reactions as possible. So every time I view that show, I get dulled down to get a little bit more and a little bit more mm-hmm. and a little bit more. And now you're getting just the dregs at the bottom. Right. Yeah, I had some emotions that I think I remember, but uh, I'm now I'm thinking technically of what I need to do. Yeah, I need to think technically too, but you want my first moments of of writing to be emotional ones so that now when i later when i'm also technically refining it and everything the emotion is still is there i'm not going to kill that out of there that's the initial response the initial writing and then to technically sculpt it you know in the way that we have to do by doing it in that way when the when the listener is seeing it they're feeling my musical emotion is equal to their their 
their emotions mm. that they're having, and maybe even more so pushing them up to another level because I got it the first time. I almost always want to be able to be as close to my first time. I want to be shocked. You can take the same piece of music and shift it a few frames and it, it doesn't work. Mm. All of a sudden, it's stepping on everything. All of a sudden, it makes you feel com uncomfortable in not the good way. <laughs> right. uh, it's like something's wrong here. God, please give us another, you know, something. This is this just doesn't work. It's it's not only what you write; it's oh how you place it. It's I I spend the bulk of my time writing, and this may come as a surprise to people by listening. It's not. It's I'm not really sitting there in the studio, hammering out another note and another note and another cue and another chord. It's I do some things. I straighten them out and I'm listening and I listen to it again until no more questions come. I go into other areas of the room and listen. I go into the next room. Like sometimes you hear a TV show or the TV on in the right. next room. And I wanted, is it making me feel that, that feeling that sounded, you know, there's something when I was in the other room and it, it drew me in. It makes, I said, what's going on on that? You know, uh, I wanted to make that happen. So I listen like to a holistic approach to it. It's amazing. Yeah. It's very zen, you know, doing by not doing. <laughs> Sometimes I tell them I can't, I can't make this decision today. I'm going to go home and I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go home and I come home. I, uh, I go home the next morning. I turn it on and I listen to it in a different environment. And, oh, it's all clear to me now. I walk into the studio, something that we were struggling with the next day. And I, now I'm going to pass it over to a person that gets a bigger check than me, uh, my <laughs> producer or my director. And and say, do you have any questions now? There's a lot of cor uh, correlation in that process. Um, you know, sort of the getting out of the way of the material happens a lot in writing as yeah. well. You know, where it's like, you know, you'll write something and then um, you go, you know, it feels right, but I'm not sure. So you put it away for mm -hmm. a day and you do something else, you know, or I, I, I wish I had, you know, a, a tally of how many times it's happened where I, it's like I'm, I'm trying to work my way through a scene and I just can't. I just, and it's and, and, and you, you're hitting diminishing returns. The harder you try yes. to solve it in that moment, you know, now, because mm -hmm. now it's all bundled up with, you know, I'm a failure. Maybe, you know, maybe finally the muse is yeah. left. You know, <laughs> it's like people they are going to me out now. You know, yeah, <laughs> people, people are going to see through me, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, and then, but yeah, but then you, you, you kind of walk well, and then, and then you, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. It's very easy, frankly. Um, and then it's like, um, yeah. And then you, yeah, you're doing something completely non-related, but your mind is still working on it. And then something's like, boink. Yeah. Okay. There yeah. it is. Right. It's, it's right there. We're humans. Yeah. Things. We have to manage ourselves mm -hmm. emotionally and physically, but very much emotionally. We have to manage where we're at, knowing I now, more so than when I was younger, I do know sometimes it's like, Kurt, quit beating your head <laughs> against the rock. The rock is still there. It's still just a stone. Stop. Why don't you just pull back and regroup? Maybe the answer is to walk a fucking around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't go through. <laughs> You know, sometimes you just have to walk around. Sometimes you have to pull back and say, right. if I step back a second, I might have said, you know, that thing's only a block that way. I'm just going to walk yeah. around it. Do you ever get the feeling like, 
I mean, Tennessee Williams said once that he never finished a play. He abandoned them uh-huh. because, because that's like that, that, that is a particular thing that I, I mean, at least I know of with, with writing. It's like, you can, you can fiddle. I mean, if you gave me a script that I did 15 years ago, uh, I'm sure I, I, it would be impossible to even something that, that, that sold or something that's oh, already yeah. been made. It's in the can and you know, you're watching it or something, you know, uh, if you gave me the script, I go, oh, I, I could do that better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I, 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 this needs fixing. That, that's that's the beautiful thing about television. It airs on Tuesday. This, <laughs> this one airs on Friday. Okay. This one mixes next uh, next uh, next Monday. Okay. Well, then Sunday evening is over. That has made me practical. I think that has made me a a better writer over the years uh, from having those sort of constraints. Right. Because I am that one mm-hmm. that would. Oh. I could sit there and tinker. I mean, uh, I I told somebody that wanted to come and see me in the studio. I said it's not as exciting as you think. As I, uh, they said, no, I, I, I can I, I can attest to that. Yeah, really, <laughs> trust me. The, the, the most fun that ever happens is when Jeff comes into the room. So you know, but that's because so, you'll, you'll let me play with the uh, the, the pots that yeah. like, don't do anything. It's yeah, like, exactly. oh here, you want to play with a mixing board here? Just, yeah, just go slide ahead. This. I had this thing about dancing with dialogue. I call it. I never heard that. Where, uh, yeah, that's my whole concept of that. The, the, that the, I think actors have a rhythm, mm-hmm. you know, and I, it is my job to, to put a stick in there between their legs and trip them. You know, mm-hmm. it's my job to embrace them and just dance with them like this. And if I'm doing it right, I'm pausing with them and then I'm up and then I'm you know that they may not even if I'm doing it right you almost don't notice that it's there especially in very sensitive scenes I've had a lot of actors come over to me and say I just didn't think there should be any music there in that scene and blah blah and then I heard what you did and it's just like it's seamless it didn't I didn't feel anything bump against what I was doing I said yes because I was dancing with you I you were the lead I was just going with you leading accompaniment right you know and and so that's that takes a minute. That takes some time. You can't just program something to a straight beat and just stick it on there. Right. I mean, I mean, sometimes that works. I mean, it does. But you really have to, if you're in most cases, you want to you right. want to play with it for a while. Yeah. So you're you, you, you it's I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but it's it's you are all about relationship. You know, yes. I, I know on a personal level, but your it's your relationship to the material. It's the music's relationship to the material. It's the music's relationship to the you know the cast you know or like you know so it's 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 kind of it's it's sort of an interesting again like i would say life lesson but it's it's about those you're making you're you're making relationships where relationships didn't exist previously and there's something rewarding in oh that relationship is working and a relationship is not working you can take responsibility for it because you're you're handling your part of the relationship yeah. And the other part of the relationship is not really changing. The, the dialogue's not going to change. The actors are going to do what the actors are going to do on set. Mm-hmm. You know, but you you can take control of that relationship through the music. Yeah. Right. And be of service to of the service relationship. To it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is which is the the score that you go? Oh, I wish I would have written that one. There's a film years ago that I just thought was just beautiful called The Lover, and uh, it's about. Uh, uh, this relationship with a young Vietnamese girl uh, in more in the uh, French area occupation area of era of Vietnam, and beautiful, beautiful score. I can't remember the name of the composer. I can't remember very much about it, except for the music uh, 
uh, still sticks with me today. I they would have all the sounds of the of the jungle in Vietnam, and so the, some of the music cues seemed like they bubbled up out of this jungle of trees and wind, and you know, and then and then you all of a sudden find that you're inside this musical cue at this moment, and it's like I just thought that, that was just a beautiful. I'm beautiful totally, score. Totally looking that up. Yeah, <laughs> it's this. it's a it's a it's a gorgeous film. You it's a, you you will love it. Uh, please please let me know when you I will, you I will. watch that. Please. Yeah, okay. Well, so let's go the other way then. What's now? We'll we'll, we'll go from your your personal catalog. You know, you did 22 oh. shows as you constantly remind me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I get it. You're busy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, but. Like what? What's what's the what's the the piece that you did that just for whatever reasons just did not come together? You know, not I'm not looking like mm-hmm. like you know, blaming this person, blaming that person, but it's the one that it's like, ah, oh, you know what? I really that's the one you have to forgive yourself for. You know, it's like just didn't work. Do you have one of those? Oh, jeez, I. It's hard to say because so many things don't work for so many reasons, and there's so many things that I that that technically didn't succeed but i thought were brilliant mm. pieces you know uh i there was a there was a show called uh living large i'm not living <laughs> no no really that, that was what that was I've literally never... that was literally a mistake well, no, let's, let's, let's let's talk about living large for a moment no. tell me about this this mythical no. show no 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 i was actually talking <laughs> thinking about <laughs> No, I was actually talking about a show called South Central that was a uh, I thought was a brilliant show. It only ran for twelve episodes, uh-huh. um, and it was uh, I was getting to do things monumentally different at that time. How long ago? Uh, this was this would have been mm, this would have been maybe twenty eight, twenty nine years ago. Uh, wow! And it okay. was. Uh, and I, and this is totally different than your question you asked, but I think it's to me, to me, I mean, the what I was allowed to do musically there for that time, mm-hmm. you know, was very different. They'd have a black at the beginning of the show, and I would do this. Uh, there was a there was a very distinctive uh, count off that was on a drum machine uh, that was very popular back in those days. I I. I and I, again, I forget whether it was yeah. a drum or whatever, uh, whatever we were using at the time. But and most musicians uh, that anybody that programs them knew that 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 click count off because right. it was specific to that machine. And we would start the show off in black, and bam, you would just be in all of this color and 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 excitement. And I would, I would uh, not start off with a typical cue per se. I would. I would count the group in and I told them to all play like they were tuning their instruments, like they were just anything I think of any tone. I wouldn't tell anybody what key. Right. And it would be the tick, 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 and then bam into this wild craziness, the atonal stuff that's going on. And I count two, three, four, boom. And then we're into the, the, the actual musical cue and getting to do stuff like that. It was just crazy to, it was so different that a lot of the 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 producers were telling me that a lot of the 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 network affiliates were calling them up saying, "Hey, you delivered the show wrong. It's in black. You still got the damn count off on this thing for God's sake." <laughs> <laughs> and it's don't 
cut off our count off and don't lose our black. It's a part of the body of the show. And so you were, I was working with producers that were, you know, willing to go that far. I mean, it, you know, it was, uh, it, it was just a fantastic experience. And, uh, I don't, I don't, it, and, and whether it works or not, I, I don't know. We did some interesting television with, and they did some amazing stories that I got to mix combinations of hip hop and jazz and which mm. was a thing then, you know, but it wasn't a thing on television. You know, it was a thing in the clubs and, and in the, on the streets. Well, you're talking thing. 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. But mixing hip-hop and jazz at that time was, was was definitely out there. I'm not the person that created that or anything. I just did something that I heard. And 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 the difference was is I had an opportunity to do it on television, right. on, on a national television show. And that I found that exciting, but then heartbreaking that I didn't get to continue to do it mm. you know uh i i found what i was getting to do with stitchers exciting but very heartbreaking that i i didn't get a chance to continue doing it right when i said oh we're fine this is finally getting right you know i i, I know what the show is right. uh uh every week yeah i don't i don't want to turn this into a you know mm. homage or, or yeah. obituary for stitchers no, it's, but it's, the it's um true. no i mean the you know, some of the stuff, I mean, some of my most rewarding experiences from working on Stitches, and there were many of them, was being able to spend that time with you um, and kind of like talking our musical language yeah. together, you know, and saying, oh, what about this cue? What about this cue? And it's, it's kind of like this piece of music. And then we'd listen to music together and you go, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. How about this? And you'd show me something. And it's yeah. like, you know, so that was like, like super, you know, super rewarding. So, yeah. um, so, Thanks so much for coming in. What's what's uh, what? Do you, what do you got coming up in uh, in twenty twenty two? I know twenty three shows. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, You're yeah. gonna do one more. Well, we got a, a new show on Disney called um, uh, uh, The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. It's a oh. re, it's a reboot of The uh, Proud Family, and I'm becoming the reboot king here. I've got <laughs> like four or five reboots going on right now. I'm about to get some more boots as a result of this. Uh, and uh, it's so exciting. It's such a fun, cute, and smart uh, uh, animation. And it's a family show for uh, kids. And one of the interesting things about it is I'm actually working music. This The original Proud Family was 20 years ago. And I'm actually working with uh, some of the uh, musical writers and lyricists and stuff that are working with me were kids around 10, 11, 12 years old at the time. And they grew up watching. This, that was their show. Wow, that was their show. And now they, uh, uh, now they're actually working on the reboot of yeah. what would have been their show. And I can't even begin to wrap my mind around what that feels like for them. So I'm, I'm very excited for a lot of the young people that are that are working with the, working with me on the project. And uh, you didn't work on the original. Did you? Yes, I did. Oh, you did? Yes, I did. Wow. The, uh, the, the original. So, so it was like some of these people like freaking out. It's like, oh my God. Yes. It's, yeah. yeah. So that's very exciting. That's very exciting. And uh, and I have a, a new show called First Kill, which uh, is uh, on uh, net going to be on Netflix. And it's uh, uh, a, a YA show. Mm -hmm. And that uh, uh, so vampires and the young teen vampires and, right. and vampire hunters and all of that. And and very different uh different love stories and uh, that are going to be you know it's just it's very fascinating and interesting to uh a story to see you know what's 
so I, I could have a whole discussion on on that show alone and the how they're approaching things because there's so there's so many differences that they are playing as just as matter of fact and uh, and it's very smartly done and I and it's challenging for me to to come up with because I I make rules for what I will do so that <laughs> it, musically or like so yeah. I will not do foot massages yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's just so that each of the shows sound differently right. and also that that you you make things it's part of that making a, a thematic material for for characters that, that well they wouldn't have this or they wouldn't I wouldn't use this or I wouldn't use that with that particular character. There's I've had shows where they're in different parts of time, mm -hmm. you know. So well, no, we can't do that because that wouldn't have happened in that time. Uh, oh, you know, we were, we were I was doing American Soul one time, and which was a story of of, of Soul Train. Sure. And and we were doing a a, a cue, and I, and and uh, I put uh, I put in this one sound, and I when I in my constant listening, I listened back, and I thought I turned my engineer. Did that even exist then? We're back. We're dealing with 1973. That didn't even that didn't even wasn't even invented till eight, early 80s. So I had to take it out. Right. <laughs> Although it was a great sound. Kurt, thank you so much. Thank you. Great having you here. Thanks um, for having me. Hey, as um, I go, wait, go <laughs> above the mics. So as um, you know, as uh, the year goes on and you're doing your 8,700 different shows for 2022, if there's time and we get you back in here, would you come? Oh, absolutely. Give us an update. Absolutely. I, I, I didn't have enough time this time. I'm, I'm going to start again. <laughs>